0: The Central City Shopping Center in North St. Louis County took its name from the Central Hardware Store that originally occupied part of its space. The Central Hardware Company was discarded from play during one of the great corporate shuffles many years ago and never picked up. The international super-conglomerate card game continued on Wall Street, and new businesses moved into Central City. I parked by a boarded-up storefront smeared with obscene graffiti. I went to an unmarked door rang the buzzer, and looked up at the tiny lens of the concealed, closed-circuit TV. I want some action, I said. The door swung open. A hard face stared at me, then stepped aside. Even as a police detective, I'd never been made. I stepped into Jake's Casino. Central City shoppers could buy soup bones and strawberry astro bread, play total environment video games, or swing to insipid torture rock. They could also buy anything on the black market, from a sack of wheat berries to a banned book, meet a pusher of illegal drugs, rent a hooker, drink after hours, and place any kind of a bet. They could put money on the horses, pro sports, the numbers, or at the roulette and craps tables and jakes. Men and women with flat eyes and pasty, corpse-like complexions stood in clumps around the tables, in tattered clothes and tennis shoes stuffed with newspapers They stepped lifelessly on the threadbare rugs scattered over the concrete floor, shuffling and pushing against each other as they put their chips down. Cigarette smoke hung thick in the air. Unshaded light bulbs over each table glared through the haze. A loan shark sat at the desk beside the cashier. If anyone runs out of money but wants to keep playing, he bankrolls them. They can take as much as they like. There is no hurry about repaying the capital, but they better not get overdue on the weekly vigorous. He is a businessman, not a charity. He must charge vague for the use of his money. If someone is able to pay it but unwilling, several muscle boys will put them in the hospital. If they are willing but unable, they may find themselves driving for a heist, fingering their employer for a shakedown, giving a piece of their business to an off-the-record partner, or letting strangers into their wife or daughter's bedroom. The broad-shouldered pit boss wore a ratty brown knit hat on his head and a slouched, hung-down look on his face. I asked him. Anybody here name of Daryl Flanagan? Maybe. Who's looking for him? Crane Dalton. I want to see him about a friend of his. Flanagan's over there. He pointed to a thin boy leaning over the craps table. Thanks, I said. As I headed for Flanagan, I noticed the pit boss disappear through a door marked private. I stood behind Flanagan and watched him on the come out. He hadn't washed his hair in a month. He shook. Tossed. The dice rolled over the green felt, hit the far side, and came up a one and a two. Craps, the operator said, yawning. He raked in the loser's chips and passed the dice to the woman on Flanagan's left. I tapped the boy on the shoulder and said, I'd like to talk to you. Bang off, Flanagan said out of the corner of his mouth. I've got to get some of my life back. He put a chip on the pass space and collected his winnings without a smile when the thrower tossed an eleven. I want you to help me find Don Pennell. His father told me you're a friend of his. His old man hired you? That's right. You're the only lead he could give me. Your mother's the one who told me you'd probably be here now. Flanagan shrugged. Let's go in the corner and talk. I've been kinda worried about him myself.